0: This episode of Unique Radio is brought to you by the Hot Wheels Legends Tour. Do you have what it takes to become a car? Enter your car into the competition or come and witness the epic event. Each shop will include life-size Hot Wheels fleet of cars, photo ops, Hot Wheels Zone, car and pop culture influencers, and much, much more. For more information, visit them on the web at hotwheels.mattel.com
1: this is unique radio follow us on social media at we unique radio that's we unique radio
2: welcome back everybody to unique radio and we have a special guest today i'm super excited um he is a a great friend brother um a mentor and He has a lot to do with the Unique brand on contributing a lot of my success with a lot of the clients that I work with and still work with. And we have also, of course, Jimmy behind the boards. And I got to just say thank you, James Cruz (laughs) from Cruise Control for being here.
3: Nice. Ain't no need to thank me, man. Like, we don't use the word brother lightly. No. And um, when you say brother, it, 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 it hits different. You know, as as the young kids would say, it hits different. You know, we've been around for a while, and um, decades. <laughs> and um, sitting and just sitting in this studio and looking at a photo of you next to those jeeps, man, just it just brought back so many memories and also the realization of how impactful your eye and design was culturally. You know, I mean, I talk about it all the time. You know, we're the architects of this thing called hip hop, and there are many different architects, many different people. That uh, were part of the blueprint, but the funny thing is, we didn't know what we were building. No. <laughs> we're yeah. Doing people, doing ask, doing yeah people ask, like,
2: <laughs> how how did you, you know, start this? You know, how did you start this whole thing? Like, how did you start this brand? I didn't realize we was creating a brand at the time. I was just having fun. Nobody and knew. just working.
3: Nobody knew You know. You know what I'm saying? And so, for those
0: people who are just listening, he's talking about. There's a photo on the wall of Will with Diddy's twin Jeeps. From, what, what year would you say that was? Uh, that actually, that was uh 2008. 2008. And if everybody knows,
2: right, in 2008 was the Great Recession. Depression, right. Okay. And now it's crazy because now we have this pandemic and we're going into a Great Depression. Yeah. So, you know, it's just crazy how time flies and that we, you know, unique and, and James, you know, him, but this is really about you, James. I want to know how you got inspired. And, and, and also that just joining us is Medina, one of our co-hosts. And, you know, so this is, uh, it's a, you know, and she's into music. She's been on, uh, you know, different um, platforms as well. So, you know, so she, this is going to be a great show. You know what I'm saying? So we're excited uh, that you're here, even though that it's, uh, and we are social distancing, so we are being safe. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, and, you know, it's just, um, it's crazy how we're going through this whole, pandemic situation that's going on right now. But it's a good
3: time though. though. I mean, you know, you have to learn like we did and throughout our careers, we turn a negative into a positive. And right now I think the universe, God, uh, however you want to put it, you know, mother nature is telling everybody, hey, sit down for a second, take a pause, you know, sit down and you know, you can go outside and you hear birds chirping. You hear the sounds of nature the wind blowing through the trees, like, you know, how many of us stopped to do that before? How many of us took a moment, our busy schedules, dealing with our everyday motions of life? Like, I think, you know, you have to really take this for what it is, and this reset that the earth is going through, you know, um, and really reflect. And then when you start to reflect, you start to say, wow, look how far we've come. Because as much as we like to give each other their roses when they pass, you know, we should give ourselves the roses while we're alive. And celebrate life, and celebrate victories, and celebrate the successes and the failures. Because without, you know, failure, you can't appreciate success. You know, M. J., you know, Michael Jordan, you know, he would always say, "I missed, you know, thirty thousand shots. You know, I lost championships. You know, um, but he worked hard, and he used that as an opportunity to build forward." And I think we all need to do that because you can't appreciate your successes without understanding, accepting your failures and learning from them. And we had a lot of successes, Well, We had a lot of fun, man. Like, But we
2: had some failures, too. Yeah, you know? there was <laughs> a, it, I've had plenty of L's. I think I'm taking an L today. Yeah, yeah, but now, no. you know, I think I'm taking an L today. Hey, listen, it happens. You know, you, you bounce back, and that's what makes uh, you, know, you stronger, better. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's what we're going to have to do, too, is... Uh, as a whole as a country to be honest yeah. we have to be you know get better and we're going to be smart from this and we're going to learn from this
3: you know but to we'll go back to what you said you know in 2008 when you did those jeeps and we went through the recession you know your business thrived
2: yeah it, i mean I we
3: did because you are such a trendsetter a pioneer a trailblazer that cream always rises to the top at the worst times you get to see someone's true character when, not when they're on top, but when they're either falling down or on the bottom. And our country was going through a recession, but your business was doing great because it was real. You, You gave your heart, give, I wouldn't say gave, you give your heart and soul into your work. And that, for anybody that's out there that thinks, what's the key to success? Can you give me an honest answer? Can you help me, give me some advice? You know, the one, Part of advice that I'll give anyone is if your heart ain't in it, don't do it. Yeah, you know because that's true. Man, it's gonna fail. You know, and like I said, we were the architects of this thing called hip hop, but our hearts were in it. What it got you awesome. into hip hop? Um, you know, I never, I never even had an idea of being into in the music business. You know, I played ball. You know, I got signed at a young age, sixteen. Graduated high school at sixteen. Uh, I was an overachieving underachiever, I like to say. Um, I was overachieving in school and in sports and stuff, but I was underachieving in understanding what I really wanted in life. I didn't know. I said, you know, you get signed, you get some money, you buy a house and get married, have kids. And um, God and the universe had a different plan. And um, trying to stretch a double into a triple, you know, I popped my left knee, <laughs> and um, you know, I should I should have stopped while I was there. right? I should have just took the double. Took it, yeah. But um, I never played with metal cleats, I never played on a clay field, never used wood bats, so it was an experience of night to day. I was a medium-sized fish in a small pond in New York, but then I became a guppy when you Mm. get into, you know, real sports. There's there's levels to it. There's so many levels, and rookie ball was was, was a wake-up call, you know? I, I faced some of the best pitchers that, when we were young coming up, Alex Fernandez, you know, he was throwing darts when I was young. Um, he could shave it. Yeah, oh, he, he could yeah, shave it, right? He would, would weird, brush right? you off the plate. He would brush you. He would let you know. But then he came with that change up. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you dislocated your shoulder. Um, but, you know, God said, no, you know, I have a different plan for you. And um, I came home to rehab and wound up going to John Jay College to play for, you know, Lou DiMartino. Uh, rest in peace, Lou, one of the best batting coaches ever. And Because I couldn't hit a curveball to save my life. I couldn't hit water if I fell out of a boat if they threw a curve. Mm. And, um you know, I, I wound up playing with some of the New York greats. Um, you know, Willie Quillis was one of the best ball players I ever saw in my life. Kid batted 790-something in high school, which is amazing. Um, and uh, came home to rehab, get myself together, went to college, tried to figure it out. And uh, wound up playing some um, football for, for Rockne and Brooklyn Bulldogs. And uh, hurt my left knee. And it's like, yo, enough. I mean, if God told you to sit down the first time, you should have listened to right. Sit down this time. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, my cousin was working at Polygram in Accounts Payable. And uh, she was not in the music business. She was a finance person. Right. And um, she said, James, you know, what are you doing this summer? Are you Are just going to chill at home for a while? I said, I don't know, because I would get paid to play ball. But now I couldn't play. So even if we played organized sports, you know what I'm saying? It was $100, you know, to show up. And then depending on how well you did and, you know, the Goya League in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. um, you know, but there was no sports I was like I don't know She says why don't you do this internship You love the music You're always in the club You're always running around You gotta remember I started club when I was 12 years old
1: You know you, know, you started young
3: Funhouse, fun I days Like people don't understand Like we was When people talk about The shelter and all that like, and I'll tell you some stories About the clubs I was 12 bright eyed Like what, what is going on And sorry about that And um, long story short My cousin said Come do this internship And I did it And when I did it You know it was $20 For the week For you buy the lunch And a metro car but it was hard work. It was get the coffee, make the copies, do whatever it took. And um, at that time there was a huge racial divide. There was no, it was the black urban department and the pop rock department. And there was a huge gap between the two. And there was uh, the first ever African-American president of a major record label, Ed Exton, ran Mercury Records. And it was almost an honor to be like, you know, I'm my first job in the business was with a pioneer. This is the first African American president of a major record label, and uh, he loves sports. And we had the softball team, you know, the quote-unquote industry softball team. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's like you know, at, at the level I played on to go play with them was like you know, it, it's like taking you know Derek Jeter and, and having them play Sandlot, Babe Ruth. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, and no and, and no disrespect to any of them, but you know, these were older executives, and so we had a great time. And I remember. He created these Mercury jerseys, mm-hmm. the baseball jerseys. I think I still have one. And, um, you know, Ed was, was a driving force in me because I was this young, hot Latin dude that was running around thinking that, you know, I, I, I never saw none of this. I'm from the 17th floor of the project. My mom's on welfare. Like, you know, I, you know, I never, and with public assistance, I'm sorry, I didn't mean any disrespect to anybody out there, but, you know, my mom was a single mom, and she, she, she didn't have the access that um, many people had. Nobody did. It wasn't cool to be Latino when we were young, you know. We had the worst jobs in the world. You know, we were supers and plumbers and garbage men. But um, Ed took a liking to me. And after um, after the internship summer was over, they took 20 intern, 25 interns out to uh, California for a retreat, and they were going to announce the one intern. There was 167 interns that summer. They were going to announce the one intern that got the job. You know, they, they gave one job to one of the best interns. And we went out there, and Jana Fleischman was, you know, won the spot. She's Jay-Z's publicist, and she got the job. Um, you know, congrats, Jana. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just happy to be there. Like, I, you know, to me, I didn't take it seriously. It was fun. But I had relationships. I had to work, I think. And even though I was an intern, I was running around the clubs. I was going into the tunnel to drop records off. I was doing everything I could do just to, you know, live this life. And um, I got a phone call from a friend, Sincere Thompson. He says, yo, I need a favor. I said, what? He goes, um you know, we have these contest winners and we flew them out from New York. So back in the days, Hot 97 was KTU, 103.5, and it moved down the dial. And, um, you know, Angie Martinez was a radio host on, on KTU, Hot 97. We had gone to high school and cut out together. She went to Dewey, I went to Madison. So we all knew one another. So it was kind of like new, but kind of, you felt comfortable. And um he called me and said, I got these contest winners, I need a favor. I go, what? He goes, yo, we got tickets to the MTV Awards, but yo, this, this girl's nice, like she's cute. And I'm like, yeah, and how's the other one look? Like, she all right. <laughs> so I knew what I was getting into. And, um, and he says, yo, I just need you to speak Spanish. They only talk Spanish. I need you to translate for me. i said, like, no problem, whatever. You know, I get to go to the MTV Awards? Cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, of course, I showed up, and there's this beautiful young girl, you know, a little, you know, summer dress. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, so that's her. And, and then here comes a grenade. And I'm like, oh. They <laughs> <laughs> okay. had grenades back then, and too. Guess, yeah. <laughs> but 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 funny, you know, she was so sweet and so innocent. And it was like the first time they'd ever been out of New York. So they was you know, celebrating the first time. And um, it was cool. We spoke. We joked around. You know, we talked about Coquito for Christmas. We talked about <laughs> need, We talked about Puerto Rico. We talked about growing up. And it was fun and um for what for whatever reason you know what i'm saying i just got him and started taking a walk and wound up backstage and bumped into vanessa williams and she was about to present with brian mcknight i believe it was and um when vanessa would come to the office you know she would leave the kids with me because the kids had you know i had this thing with kids that i would always have this energy. i had a crush on her she was gorgeous yeah, she was
1: she's she still she her eyes yeah exactly
3: yeah, she sees right through you she the looks at you with those piercing eyes and um she said hey james do me a favor Will you stay here for a second i said sure and um, she went and do what she had to do. And then all of a sudden, I hear, Cruz. Cruz? I'm like, oh, shit. That's Ed. Oh, man, I'm in trouble. What the are you doing here? What are you doing? I'm, I don't understand this. I'm like, Mr. Exxon, I'm sorry. Like, you know, Vanessa asked me to do a favor. She said, forget the favor. How would you get in here? <laughs> you know, and I was like, I, I had no words. I want to see you first thing Tuesday. It was on Sunday. MTV was on Sunday. And um, I was like, okay, I'll go fly back tomorrow, I'll go to the office. But it was like being called to the dean's office, like, oh, shit, what'd I do? And um, I sat there, got to work, 10 o'clock. We started at 10 o'clock in the music business and um, sat in front of his office like I was at the, I was going to get you know sentenced to a, a jail sentence. Never. And uh, he walks in at 1.30, so I was sitting there for two or three hours, and he walks in, he says, good, you're here, let's go, come with me. And we were at the, at Polygram, there's this long hallway, it's like a square, built around the elevator base. So you have this long walk from one end to the other, and his office was in the corner, and Larry Stessel, who was our general manager, was in the other corner. And Larry is this very astute, educated, white man with a beard, um, speaks with a presence. And Ed walks me down the wall, let's go. Now I feel like I'm walking down the death sentence, like yeah. this is, I'm going to, the, I'm going to, to the electric chair. And, um... Ed doesn't miss a beat. Grabs the doorknob, busts the door open. I'm like, oh man, he just what? like he just walked in this man's office. Larry's sitting back with his feet on the table. And Larry says, hold, hold on, I'll call you back. And drops the phone. And I'm like, yo, this is some power for you, You know what I'm saying? This black man is totally, you know, because we came up in a different day and age. And um, he says, you know, Larry, you like to hire those guys that have the college degrees, that do all the intern stuff, that wind up following all the rules. I want to hire the son of a bitch that snuck into the MTV Awards. Find him a job. Wow. wow. And I was like, wow. I was number one, blown away by the power that this man commanded. Now you gotta remember, this is during the O.J. Simpson time. You know, like you know, I remember watching the O.J. Simpson trial in the urban office, and the pop rock department was watching it in the in their offices. And you <laughs> came out, the office was like, you, you, know, know, what you know, know, what know what to say? Yeah. Yeah, you don't know what to say. It was, you know, it was so that it was so dense the air. But, uh, you know, he got me into retail marketing. I wound up working for Nicole Desain and Alicia Levy and um, learned the retail game as best as I could. I had to be the best of what I could. I mean, I got an opportunity. I mean, I'm 20 years old and my starting salary was 25 grand a year. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot.
2: That's a lot. No, that's We're a lot back projects. then. We're coming from yeah.
3: projects and being on public assistance and now yeah. oh, you're making more money than your mother sees in two years. And um, it was like, wow, you know, I, I got an opportunity to do something. So, I was there for, for about two years, um, keeping my relationships with my friends at Reebok and establishing credible relations with the DJs. And, uh, you know, there's no too many six foot three Puerto Ricans that were in the music. <laughs> they're going to recognize band, you. So, you know, they're going to know me when I'm coming in. They're going to know that name. Um, and then I, you know, I was uh, positioned as probably one of the best retail marketers in the game. It was a different time. We sold CDs and vinyl, it wasn't streaming. It was like you really had to sell the records, get them into stores, get them on the shelves, and get them out the door. And, um, you know, I, I I started with the independent retailers, all the mom and pop black shops. You know, George Daniels was my first phone call. Who's a who's a G in this game? Um, to see see Billboard, you didn't have computers like that, and Billboard charting was basically calling DJs and retailers and them reporting back what records Sales. they were playing and how much they how much they were selling, and that's how you got on a Billboard chart. So, in being a retail marketer, there were ways to manipulate that system. And that came with relationships, that came with 99 cent singles, that came with a lot of different things. And George Daniels taught me the game. And then I decided to have a credible relationship with these mom and pops because they were struggling at the time. This is when you had the big stores, the virgin mega stores coming. This is when you had the blockbusters. And, you know, they were trying to compete for their share of the pie. And but they were the backbone of urban music, just like the DJ was the backbone of hip hop. You know, these mom and pop retailers were the backbone of the record sales. And like Fat orders.
1: Beats and all them.
3: Fat Fat Beats, yes. But mm-hmm. it was more like you know rock and soul records. Got it. You know what I mean? It was it was it was it was George's Music Room. It was you know there was a New York retail coalition of retailers that Lorraine Murphy ran. I called her like my mom. Her she's a, a parent to she's a mom to um what's his name from um Ultramagnetic MCs, but you know Cy Lerner. Um, you know, you had, you know, they were all older and they were all kind of like being pushed out and I felt this protective nature to try to help them. And, um, i never forget one day we were, um, at Def Jam. I was for a meeting. I don't remember what it was for. And Lior took a liking to me. And he was like, Russell. You, you know I, Leo Cohen. Lior Cohen. Yeah, Lior Cohen took a liking to me. And, and Russell Simmons, you know, Russell was, if you think Puff was a diva? Oof, Russell Simmons back then? Lord <laughs> have mercy. And, um, you know he took a liking to me and he, he he said Russell we gotta hire this guy one day and um and Russell said yeah well if you're so good at what you do tell me how many records is Method Man gonna sell and I don't know what happened it was an angel in my life something came down on me and said I just blurted 122,000 and Russell if he sells 122,000 I'll pay you a thousand dollars if he sells 122,000 I'll give you a thousand dollars and I was like I don't know what happened record comes out he sold 121,872 <laughs> Wow, oh, wow,
2: that's crazy. Wow. And I wow, was I on your nothing. side.
3: I didn't have no inside info. That was just an angel. And at that time, the Def Jam Christmas party was a joint. You had to be at the Def Jam Christmas party. And I got an invite because of that. And um, i never forget, Leo comes over. Crew, we need to talk. With the, He's called Dracula. Um, <laughs> and uh, I said, what do we need to talk about? Like, what I do now? And um, they hired a girl named Mignon Espy for the job. And you know, it was cool. It was, God has his path. And I... For some reason, I wasn't ready, and but I won the bet. And Leo pulls out the money. Russell sees me, doesn't even hesitate, starts pulling out the money. And I got $2,000 standing in my face. And I go, yo guys, keep your money. I might need a favor later on. You know, because not all money is good money. You don't do things for the money. Your heart's in it. And, I, and I took a job at Universal Distribution where I um, was New York regional, and uh, we, uh, We worked Black Sheep, we worked um, uh, everybody on the MCA label, rest in peace Andre Harrell, Um, you know, Mary J. Blige, New Edition. Uh, We worked Marilyn Manson, no doubt. Um, And then because I was Spanish, they also threw RMM records, you know, Ralph Mercado music under me. And that was Marc Anthony La India, rest in peace Ralphie. And, um, you know, I was able to do so many different things. So now I'm in the hip hop side, I'm learning the pop side. Now I've got this Latin thing. And my relationships at Reebok was solid. So my, my, my homie, Dawn Marie Gray, um, was the regional at Reebok, and she was leaving to take a national position. And she said, James, we're going to have to do some things, you know what I'm saying, before I leave. And she wanted to do an ad campaign with a, with a hip-hop artist. So Method Man again comes up, and he's got the, you know, the album that, that dropped. So we take Method Man and we put him in Reebok Classics, and we buy subway signs and bus shelters all across New York City. Which was the first ever time that a brand actually got involved with an artist now mind you at the time the brand was very much involved with basketball you had sean Kemp, you had shaquille o'neal you know you had a bunch of athletes that they represented but you had a very small group of minorities that worked at reebok at the company it was based out of massachusetts so you can just imagine what that was like um you know i'm a yankee i believe blue all day long so just massachusetts
2: you know. and um
3: and um and Dawn, we did this deal and it was it was groundbreaking and we started placing products and videos A plus that time I had a very close relationship with Sean and and Bad Boy so Mace's publicity photo had a pair of GXT Reebok on in it which was like my coup at Reebok they were like how'd you get this done They're like Mace's is the hottest thing on the face of the earth so
2: you was the, uh, you was the actual plug to the artist to get yeah. them on the Reebok campaigns.
3: Yeah, but I was in the music business. I had the relationship and I knew how to maneuver. Mhm. And um luckily we did that. Things started to roll and then puff did the Benjamins video. And if you look closely at the Benjamins video, they have batting gloves and cleats on, which happened to be Reebok So mm-hmm. now everybody's trying to pay attention like how is all this happening? And Don is taking his national position. So they come to me and they ask me, "Would you consider coming into the, you know, sneaker business?" And I looked at it as the marketing branding business. But I didn't wanna leave the music. And I sat down and really sat with my emotions. And for any young entrepreneur out there, it's very important for you to sit down and really listen to your, your heart when you're trying to make a decision. And I said, well, if I take this job at Reebok, everybody will take my call because I got free sneakers on the other end. So I realized how to maneuver that. So whether it was Leo, whether it was Steve Stout, whether it was Method Man, whoever, they knew if James Cruz called, they could either get a free pair of sneakers or tickets to a, a show. And at that time, the Rucker Tournament was the hottest thing on the face of the earth. And Reebok was the corporate sponsor for the Rucker Tournament at that time. Wow. So there were four, four seats, you know, right next to Al Cash, you know. And um, nice. so, long story short, I took the job at Reebok. And then I, I spent about a year um, at Reebok, uh, met my wife, Lee, um, got married. Uh, and then I go to a party at Puss House in the Hamptons. I think it was an MTV, 4th of July. And he goes, yo, everybody looks at you, they see Reebok. I go, yeah. He says, there's value in that. I want people to look at you and see bad boy. And I was like, well, I am a bad boy. like, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, At the Rutgers, I had the, the, the best team. I had the bad boy team. You know, I had Stephon Marbury at the point guard, Allen Iverson at the two guard, and Metal World Peace at the center. Like, you know, Terror Squad, you know what I'm saying? You had all these teams. We would go back and forth. But, you know, you got NBA players, and you got the hottest street ballers out there on your team. So I felt I was already bad boy. I said, Nah, man. Just call Jason Jackson on Monday. We're gonna work something out. And you know, this is you know, I'm 25 years old. You know, bad boys at the height. I mean, this is like Puff is is the hottest thing flaming. And but he's my boy. He's my friend. And he's giving me an opportunity. And I said, Okay, I call Jason Jackson. He says, Yo, James. You know, we don't have a retail position. We've already got distribution with that. I'm gonna put you into you know do mix show and um street promotion. Okay. You no, know, I know how to do street promotion The poster boys with the shit back then it was out of control getting fines all day and um
2: that's crazy <laughs> those days.
3: Yeah. Up until three, four in the morning. <laughs> See but I had a plug with that. That's a funny story. Sharif. <laughs> no no not even with the poster boys. Sharif, yes, it was a plug. And you know the idea for poster boys where it came from was Renee McLean was driving Renee McLean and Chris Santiago were driving down Ocean Avenue. Ocean Parkway Ocean Parkway in Brooklyn. And that's a strong Hasidic Jewish community. And they had poster boards about, uh, there was a rabbi coming to speak and the words were in, in Hebrew, but they said, wait a minute, a poster board, what if we put an ad up for an artist? I, like, so when you think about what the poster board meant, the van wraps. nobody thought about doing van wraps. we were on fire. I go over to Bad Boy and Jason Jackson's there, and I'm sorry for taking too long, but I go over to Bad Boy and Jason Jackson's there and I have you know, worked with Jason Jackson and Mercury, Jason was wow. doing um, A&R And I believe I'm publishing at Mercury If I'm not mistaken And um, Jason goes Yo, um, you're going to do You know, make show and promotion I said, cool And then Jason Jackson quit two months later To go manage Lauren Hill We're on 19th Street, Jason quits And I'm like, Shh, what do I do? And Puff says, so what you want to do? You, you know, I said, what do you mean what do I want to do? He says, I believe in you I'm going to make you head of promotion, sink or swim I said, Yo, I'm going to go do the backstroke on you then it was always that competitive nature. It's like when you play with Jordan, he makes you play better. When you sit and work with Puff, he makes you better. He's cut from a different DNA. And then, you know, I spent you know my time at Bad Boy, and it was it was it was an amazing time to watch the company grow, go from 19th Street, then we went over to forty 45th Street, then we went you know to 1755, you know. But to see this company grow from you know a handful of individuals. So I got a question.
2: So was you were violated be f-
3: No, 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 no. Violator came after this? Violator came
0: after.
2: All right, so hold on. Let's let's stop right here for a quick break and we'll be right back.
0: The Hotelling Group is a full-service insurance brokerage firm with over 20 years of experience. The Hotelling Group strives to understand their clients' personal and professional goals and desires. They will advise and guide you on how to secure the most cost-effective insurance program to fulfill your desires, needs, and more so to protect your assets and mitigate your liabilities. The Hotelling Group of products includes life, health, disability, long-term care, property, casualty, and title insurance the Hoteling group has been able to build and maintain a diverse client base thanks to their focus on customer service and satisfaction and diligence in every aspect of their work their ultimate goal is to find the best product or products for each client's needs at the best price visit them online at hg-insuranceservices.com or give them a call at 800-987-1811
1: As the originator of aftermarket performance exhaust systems, Borla Performance products are unique in three ways. They are made from exotic materials such as stainless steel, titanium and carbon fiber. They come with a warranty that outlasts a vehicle's life and their muffler design allows for a bolt-on and easy fit. For more than three decades, hundreds of other exhaust suppliers have attempted to copy our winning formula, but haven't come close. Borla Performance remains the world's leader in upgrades for performance exhaust systems. Borla Performance, leader in performance exhaust systems and induction.
0: This segment of Unique Radio is powered by the legendary brands of Harman International, including JBL, AKG, and Soundcraft. Connected car, connected services, lifestyle audio, or professional solutions, the brands of Harman International have you covered. Visit them on the web at harman.com dot com.
2: We're back, everybody. Thank you uh, for tuning in. And we are here with James and also Medina behind the boards and also Jimmy. So, James, we, you know, we were talking um, about where you was at, Bad Boy.
3: At the height, man. And, you know, I, my office sat next to Puffs. So, it wasn't just being a bad boy; it was being at Sean's beck and call. And um, I mean, Jennifer would come into the office and sit in my office for hours, and we'd laugh and joke. And you know, Andre Harrell, rest in peace, was uh, there. Benny Medina was there. Jeff Burrows was there. Like some of the biggest icons in, in you know urban music. But um, you know, it came to a time where all good things came to an end. And sometimes, you know, friendships uh, don't necessarily mix well in business. And for once, this mixed very well my friendship with Sean in the business side. And um, I was able to cultivate some really great relationships with the DJs, with the nightlife, with retail, radio, um, music directors, program directors. You know, I had my own phone in Tracy Clurdy's office at Hot 97 that I shared with Mike Kaiser. Thank you, Tracy. Um, but it was a movement. When that record label came and said Bad Boy on it, you were playing that record as a DJ. And, um, you know, I, I, I respect the shooter. And the DJs were our shooters for us. They were they were the ones that put the records on the radio and shouted the label out. And we did a plaque for all the DJs one time, which ingratiated me with the DJs. And my honesty ingratiated me with them. To this day, I'm known as the Bad Boy guy. I'm James Cruz from Bad Boy with Puff. And um, it's a beautiful thing, you know, but that was a three year heavy duty run at Bad Boy. And you know, Puff called me in his office one day and he says, yo, I hear you, you, you got some, you're making some moves. And I go, yeah, you're supposed to. And he goes, Well, what's up? I was like, Well, I gotta offer at RCA, I gotta offer at Epic, I got this, I got that, you know, some real money. And you know, I'm 27, 28 years old now, and I'm like, I'm looking at half a million a year as a salary. I'm looking at $700,000 a year as a salary to run promotions for these labels. And Puff said, Yeah, go ahead. You take that job, you'll be out of a job in three months. I'll have to pay you 40 cents on a the dollar. Then what are you gonna do? You're gonna have to sit out the, the industry for two years and you're gonna get cold. You take the other job, yeah, you're gonna be there for six months. And then that whole regime is gonna be gone and you're gonna be gone with him because you know how people bring in their regimes.
1: Is this in the nineties, like in the late nineties? This is
3: this is ninety-nine. Got it. You know, and um going into two thousand. He says, That's it, that's all you got? I go, nah, this is management things, violator management, you know. He says, Are you stupid, James? Now when Pump Daddy calls you stupid, you pay attention. Cause there's a there's a jewel about to come out of his mouth. As a damn stupid. What do you mean am I stupid? He goes, you know, retail, you know, promotions, you know, marketing, you got brand relationships, you go learn management, there'll be no stopping you. And he picks up the phone. He calls Chris. He goes, yo, Chris, I'm lending you my number one guy. Take care of him. And hangs up the phone. <laughs> and I never forget. I looked at Puff like, wow, not realizing that he had skin in the game. He was investing in me so that I could manage his ass later on. You know what I'm saying? So (laughs) So he already, he had a different angle. Yeah, Puff puff always got an angle. There's an angle. Uh, An angle everywhere. That's what makes Puff Puff. (laughs) Um, You know, and uh, I went over to Violator and and Chris, rest in peace, um, he says to me, he says, I'm betting on you. Because Chris never liked me. Wow. Chris never liked me. I, I was that six foot four Puerto Rican at the tunnel giving his DJ records to play, you know, from Mercury Records. We were not necessarily a hip hop powerhouse back then. <laughs> um, but Jessica Rosenblum, I love you, Jess. Um, Jessica Rosenblum, you know, when I tell my story, is probably the most impactful individual in my career. She introduced me to Sean Combs, and she introduced me to Chris Light. Wow. Um Jessica was a queen of nightlife. You know, she would sneak me in the back door and let me in the club and, you know, let, let me around. And at that time, she managed all the DJs. So it was my job to be close to her. She had flex, she had enough, she had MO. She had everybody. Stress entertainment was it. And, um, and that's,
2: that's what she owns, you own Stress, she owned, she owned stress inter- Entertainment. Yeah, wow.
3: Stress Entertainment. And that's the days when the record labels were hiring promotion people to do stuff. And, wow.
2: You good, know, old yeah,
3: good old days. Good old days when the budgets were rolling. Yeah. And um, Chris says, I'm going to bet on you. And, you know, handed me Buster Rhymes and Missy Elliott. But I had to learn the ropes from Mona Scott. And I had to learn the ropes from Chris. And I'll never forget this is the guy that doesn't have hair on his tongue. I say how I feel and feel what I say. And LL Cool J was going to be my third act. And we had a meeting and his record wasn't working. And I said Well Todd You know the record's just not working man The record's whack I never seen Chris light up so fast Like What did you just say Do you know who you sitting in front Who you talking to This is LL Cool J Like This is You're bugging nigga You know what I'm saying Like, And I'm like Yo I, did, I just told him the truth the record ain't working <laughs> And um you know, I I, I I very quickly learned how to uh, never say that again <laughs> my and filter my conversations, especially dealing with a superstar act like I did. But, you know, with Chris, you know, we became brothers. We, we, were, we became best friends and uh, he had his brothers working there. He had Mike doing bookings, you know, he had Dave was doing A&R. But I'll never forget, Chris was such a genius deal maker. Because at that time, so I talked about the money I was making. I talked about how I was disappointed that the salary wasn't going to be what I wanted. Chris was so smart that he took, he had a deal with SRC with Steve Rifkin. And Steve, dad, I love you, dad. Steve was able to pay half of my salary. And then he did a deal with AMG, Artists Management Group, which was Michael Ovitz, one of those most powerful agents in Hollywood. And he paid the other half of my salary.
2: So it never came out of his pocket. So
3: it never came out of his pocket. Lighty light, 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 was smart. Tell you, he knew how does it. Yeah, <laughs> and um, you know, it was like he was able to, to warrant not the salary I wanted, but give me just enough that I felt comfortable, but give me an opportunity because I never, I didn't realize how huge it was because, what we take for granted today in hip hop, Chris and Mona planted the seeds so many years ago. What we take for granted, it wasn't cool to do branding deals back then. You know, MC Hammer did Popcorn Chicken. He was a sellout. Oh, you a sellout. You a sellout. You took that money from corporate America. You a sellout. Nowadays, I don't think there's a marketing plan written that doesn't have room for some sort of corporate endorsement, sponsorship, or in some way, shape, or form, connects with a brand in some way. So that was not the norm. That was not the regular thing. You know, you weren't, you know, Busta Rhymes doing a Mountain Dew commercial was something you didn't see. Missy Elliott having an Adidas deal. People forget about that. Mm -hmm. Then after, you know, learning with Busta and, 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 and Missy, Everything that Chris learned with LL, because let's be honest, LL pulled off a coup that people didn't even realize when he did a Gap commercial. LL did a Gap commercial, a nationally televised commercial for the Gap, and in his verse, he said, for us, by us, on the low. Wow. He had to deal with FUBU. That's
2: crazy. That's crazy.
3: Subliminal. In a Gap commercial on TV. That's sick. You know, you had Snoop Dogg wearing a Tommy Hilfiger shirt on Arsenio. That shirt sold out the next day. Like, the influence in hip-hop was growing and growing and growing. Chris was a visionary to see that. So everything I was able to learn with Sean and being a bad boy, you know, we had Nantucket Nectars, you know, Josh Taken was in there trying to do deals, and Puff was investing in different things, and we we, we weren't doing the branding thing just yet, but Chris saw something. And um, Curtis Jackson walked in the room, and um, it changed everything forever. And yeah. I mean, it changed every, it changed all our lives. It changed our approaches to life. It changed. Changed unique. Yeah,
2: it did change it took, unique. Yeah. It did. Because at that time, you had Buster. MTV oh, Cribs. Yep. MTV yeah. Cribs. I mean, that just made everything global. That made everything global. Everything just got crazy.
3: I remember, you know, Buster was a car head, a fanatic. And um, the Flex Car Show was the biggest thing in the world. And you coached him not to do something. And he went and did it. And I remember he bought five cars. He bought Peppermint, which was the green Lambo. Sunset. Sunset, which was the orange Lambo.
2: Um, he uh, had T2, which was the G wagon. The
3: G wagon, but he had the the uh, Bumblebee. The, spike, the Bumblebee. The bumblebee, which was the Hummer. The Spiker. The Spiker. He I bought good. all these cars to win the car show, and. And then my
2: other client won the winning White Club <laughs> That's
3: what I said. You told him, though, it's a fight you can't win, bro. Like, you know, why you, you know?
2: And but I'm, we always wound uh, the winning the trophies anyway. They all came back to the they shop. All
3: too unique, but you know,
2: one but, year with Swiss yeah. Beats. That was our customer. See,
3: I always called Buster Rhymes the, the the Intercontinental Champion of the world. Like you know, I watched wrestling <laughs> growing up. So you had the heavyweight champion with Hulk Hogan, then you had the Intercontinental champ uh, with Randy Savage or Macho Man yep. Randy Savage, whatever whoever it was at the time. And, and Buster just had this thing that he just the car for his game and and we went up there we we should have listened to the universe because we got stuck on the verrazano bridge and a car tire blew out and took somebody else (laughs) to pick us up we're driving on the side of the road 100 miles an hour trying to get to this car show and um the excitement and buster's eyes and i never forget we walked in there will is standing there with wyclef (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like oh there's something going on i feel the energy something tells us not to do this and um, Wyclef came with a
2: McLaren, and a yeah, and, and, and a Pagani, and a Pagani. It was crazy, and the Bigfoot truck. Yup, and the Bigfoot truck.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> y'all all
3: Playing a lot, yeah. play a lot of Haitian music out of that <laughs> Bigfoot <laughs> truck. It was oh, crazy, man. man. And, but but you know, there it goes again. Jerry one had his whips. Out. It was crazy. Yeah, but Will Will had the the, the Midas touch with all the cars. And then um, when I said we violated, Curtis walked in the room. And what a lot of people don't know about 50 Cent is that as much as people say they're different, Puff, 50, J, they're all the same. Geniuses. (laughs) Unadulterated geniuses. Yeah, hustlers. With a drive and a commitment. You know, can't stop, won't stop, get rich or die trying. Workaholics. Yeah. They're synonymous, they live together. You know, Um, they're also visionaries. And, When Curtis came, everything I learned with Puff and everything Chris learned with LL, and then you add in Jimmy, Iovine, Eminem, Dr. Dre, Theo Saddlemeyer, the lawyer. It was like the dream team. Team, yeah, I was about to say. In the Olympics, that's what what it was. But it was also, there there were certain people that had to play more minutes in the game. That was Fifth. and that was Chris, and that was I. We played the most minutes. And that takes a, 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 a toll on you. It takes a toll on your, your body. It takes a toll on your mind. It takes a toll on your relationships. And we traveled the world three times over. You know, we went to Iraq and performed for the soldiers. You know, we did so many deals, you know, the vitamin War, the groundbreaking deal, equity investment, skin in the game, taking a huge payout after. G unit clothing. You know, I was at Reebok. We did the G unit sneaker. We sold 3.8 million pairs of sneakers. You know, at least that's what they recorded. (laughs) That's what we got paid for, you know. But the difference was that Chris's vision said, take the table, James. Don't leave money on the table. You can't leave money on the table. You take the table. So not only did we do the endorsement deal, but we also did the marketing strategy. We also put together the calendar of how we were going to launch it. We also wrote, directed and shot the commercials. We did everything one voice one unit one man chris would always say i could smack you and hurt you but if i close my fist i'm gonna lay you out let's close the deal let's close our fist let's dig in and let's do this you know yo b i can hear him now yo b did you take the table you know and we were able to do all these deals with fifth because we were just we were printing money we were the agency of record for street marketing and promotions for reebok that was a cool we had vans all over the country we you know but we invested back into our communities DJ Khaled was a street promotion guy for us in Miami, you know, and he was a DJ. Look where he's gone. That influence, you know what I'm saying? Chris's influence in so many people. We were paying guys. We had jobs. You You also have to understand this is a time when there weren't that many black and brown executives. We didn't infiltrate the system yet. We had our own systems. And now we were able to perform at a certain level where now the system started to embrace us.
2: And recognize.
3: Not for who we were, but for what we knew. Then
1: they realized who we and were. And the performance. Do you feel like you could make your own rules, though, at that point, too? We because- did.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, we had Reebok, publicly traded company, Paul Fireman, And we had a black guy with a do-rag and a Gucci gun belt pointing a 9 millimeter at you, which was our ad for the sneaker. What the hell does pointing a gun at you have to do with a sneaker? Exactly, <laughs> we did anything we wanted. We had one. We had a photo shoot for the for the boot where we had them standing over a dug in grave, and the photo was shot up like you were in the grave. The grave mm-hmm. You know, um, we 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 had Busta Rhymes screaming driving a truck at 175 miles an hour on a Mountain Dew commercial. You know, yeah, we 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 felt we could do anything we wanted to um, because Chris was such a great leader because Chris made you believe it. You know, Scottie Pippen. You know. Yeah, if you're watching the last dance, Scotty Pippen meant a lot to that, to, that, to that Bulls team, but he meant a lot to Michael. He yeah. took his number two slot seriously. And I based my, I based my position as Scotty at that time. I didn't get the accolades. I didn't get the money. I didn't get, but we were having, we were winning championships and we were planting seeds that people take for granted now. That people, it, it's almost a given. Right now, the things that we were doing, then, the groundbreaking things that we did back then.
1: Well, social media also wasn't as prevalent at all,
3: actually. Street team was social media. You know, that was your street team. That was your
1: street <laughs> team. And I feel like if you guys were doing if sh- social media was around then, oh my, you guys would have been on the for- you would have been your own brand. Yeah, you well, know, we, had used the, maybe, we had to use the
3: magazines. Maybe, Source, may, no, I mean dub magazine. Dub how, how many dub magazine shoots did we do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know how many? How many? You know, shout out to dub. Source. I mean, they were. I never forget. I was so mad at dub. I was pissed at Herman and those guys because they went out to SEMA and they... Gave the car companies the secret sauce, the custom interior, the double-edged. They told GM and all these companies everything that was the business that unique and dub built in the customization of cars.
2: Gave it to them. Different On a choices
3: and rims, different choices in stitching, leathers, consoles, colors. You know, and and it was like, damn, you just you like, gave them the blueprint. No, you just you, gave the transcript. You Derek for real dust. Like this is the movie Blow. Like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you went and Derek for real dust. Like yeah, I was not happy about it. that. And, and And then they did well, don't get me wrong, but there's nothing like a custom touch. There's nothing like having that little unique sign in the corner of your car. You know, it's like having that Rolex on. You know what that means. It means something special. And I was very disappointed, but I was also aware that uh, things were changing. You had black and brown executives in the companies that came with that swag, that came with that eye. And we were able, like, I'll tell you, uh, Michael Jackson, not the singer, Michael Jackson, the president of General Motors, a black man. You know, we went up and sat with him, and we did the Pontiac G6. And funniest thing, the the sneaker was called the the G6, but the Pontiac G6 car, Fifty Cent had his own car.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. You know, the the G8,
3: Jay Z had his own hue of blue. We start to own other shit. Like, how you own your own color? Like, what kind of talk is that? Like, you know, how you own your own? You have your own car.
2: They're becoming branding machines. Yeah. Without even right in front of your eyes, you're like,
3: it was like he got his own car, vitamin water. We gave away the the Ford F one fifty truck on Hot ninety seven as a contest you know we, we we went to these car shows and there was this whole culture that i had to say like,
2: thank you to also thank you for loading us up at the shop with all the vitamin waters and smart waters but that
3: wasn't me that was them i you know what i'm saying like i ain't
2: my piece of that deal so you know I you know.
3: can thank rohan for that <laughs> no
2: i mean the lady whatever the lady was uh the, the, that oh, oh, for yeah, the, for yeah, the tv know, show julie, to put julie, yeah julie to drop off yeah. the waters over there
3: but you know but we were living in this time where you know like you say you could take chances and do anything I think we all did. And that's why we gravitated towards each other. That's why Will and I became so close because he was doing what he wanted and he was able to make a living out of it. And Jesse Torero, you know, he shot 26 of my 34G unit videos. Like, but he was doing it how he wanted. Jesse Torero, I mean, I'm going to be quite honest. Like, we wrote and shot the two Reebok commercials for the sneaker. Wow. And the first commercial, Reebok was used to paying about a million dollars to shoot a commercial back then. You shot on film, you shot on location, blah, 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 blah. And when we saw the budgets, Chris and I looked at the budgets and said, give us that meal. We'll do it for you for half. And then we'll take the rest of the money and invest it in the actual air flights, the actual time on TV. So we went to Jesse Torero. And well, who was 50 Cent at the time? 50 Cent was the, was the eye of the tiger. He was the underdog. He was Clubber Lang. That's who he was. And we put him in a dark dungeon gym. And we said, we're going to put all our brands in this. If you notice, the kids are there's kids that run up to the glass, and Fifth is drinking vitamin water at the end of the commercial. So we were able to place vitamin water in a nationally televised um, co- commercial subliminally. Nobody even caught it for us by us on low vitamin water on low in a Reebok commercial. Right. So we went to Jesse. We wrote it. We put him in the gym. Uh, shot the commercial. The commercial had CG in it. Uh, took time for the commercial to be done, but we got it done. Then we said, how much do we have to spend? And we had about uh, just under $2 million to buy TV. So Reebok's sending us all this TV advertising. They want to advertise on this show, that show, the other show. And I said, nah, man, this, this is for us. For us, buy us on a low. Let's advertise to us. Who's us? The BET Awards. So we took all the money and bought the advertising on the BET Awards. Wow. So every other commercial segment was that commercial that we spent mm. on. Smart. And we were able to drive this awareness. The second time around, Reebok you can was so go, happy.
2: You can go to the other avenues, right? Did you go to the other avenues then?
3: No. At, at that time, you know, we had everything out. But this was like, we had corporate money to play with. It's great to play with somebody else's money. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's awesome. Yeah, yeah You know that by building those yeah. cars. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, 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 well, it's going to cost <laughs> you this. You know? But, you know, we were able to do that. And then as we stepped out, we said, okay, what's the next one? So how do you make a superhuman being? 50 is a superhero. Superman at the time. And 1.1 million records in a week he saw 1.14 million records in a week he's like what like that those days that was unheard of so we say he's a superman he's a superhuman being how do you make him human again you surround him with other superhuman beings hey Reebok who's your focus in baseball who's your focus in basketball who's your focus in football okay you got Manny Ramirez I played with Manny Okay, let's get him. But let's flip it. It's street sports, because that's who 50 is. So we played stickball with Manny Ramirez, and he wore a free Yale (laughs) t-shirt for us buyers on the low. Then, you know, the ball gets hit, and the camera stands up to to Winky Wright, another violator, managed boxer, the, the welterweight champion of the world. Nobody wanted to fight him. Wow, okay, now 50's up there boxing. Then it's, well, let's go downstairs, and now we're playing a touch football street football game. With Donovan McNabb, and then Banks is in it. Let's throw Banks in there. So now we're placing another face. Banks opens the door, the guy hits it and falls over. But what the people didn't notice is that Jesse and I had a little plan. So you saw the ice cream truck, you saw the guys playing dominoes, and then you saw the ice cream truck had the Puerto Rican flag on it. We were implementing. If you look at Jesse and what he what he heard, culture, he got the yep. Dominican flag. So we were doing things without even knowing it. Wow. And it just started to come. And Jesse and I were able to do a deal. We did think one of those threads with with Google years ago. You know, had a lot of fun in doing it. But we were able to take our culture and influence it, hip hop as well as Latin. And as all this is going on, you have the height of the music business in terms of deals and deal structures, and black executives and producers getting deals, and Pharrell doing a deal with Jimmy Iovine and Will I Am, and you know the face of hip hop is changing. And you've got this. This white boy, you know, Marshall, who is the biggest star in the world, carrying 50 Cent around the world with him, but then 50's carrying G unit around with them. So everybody reached back. Everybody reached back and it was a business. Everybody reached back. Chris reached back. Chris reached back and said, okay, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. And you know, as with any empire coming up, it could all come crashing down as well. We didn't honor ourselves the way we should have we didn't honor what we were doing the way we should have and that's why part of This is about Chris's birthday. Is like I keep his name alive because if it wasn't for Chris Lighty if It wasn't for Puff Daddy and all the people in my world. I'm always gonna honor where you come from That's something bred in me as a Latino like I'm gonna pray to my ancestors I'm gonna you know raise a glass to those that are not with us anymore every chance I get so we kind of through issues that we all are dealing with today and
2: have dealt with in our past Things fall apart. So bring it up to speed yeah. now, to to so now you have cruise control. So what are your plans now? You know, uh, there is none.
3: I don't. I don't. You know, it, it's not as rigid as it used to be because there's so much opportunity out there. And what we do well is we identify a desire, a need, a white space, and then we create something within that space. Vitamin water, fifty. The whole idea for vitamin water is fifty cent. I want to sell fifty cent waters from the hood. We bought quarter waters. For exactly. these, I just want to raise the price—a a, a double bigger quarter water—and and you know we, we made the investment in Glassy. So, I think we identify opportunities and we maximize them. That's our place, like A and R. You see a great artist and you maximize and and you know sell records, do branding deals. My plan now is 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 basically to continue my own growth as an individual and as a human being, um, and heighten and really take the Latin space to another level. Because what we did in hip hop, we created a blueprint that could easily be put into the Latin space because it's music.
2: Re, you don't have to recreate it. It's just, it's you know, there. It's there. The, the,
3: and and the Latin music space, I believe, to this day right now, is right where hip-hop was in the mid to, you know, early 90s. Uh, there's, it's it's a force to be reckoned with. It's a driving force. You know, coming. You got Maluma doing stuff. You got J Balvin doing stuff. You got Nicki Jam. You know what I'm saying? You have Anita. You have Becky G. You have all these artists, you know? But then, you know, they have representation in the management side. But... They're being represented on the agency side by individuals who don't understand their culture, who don't understand their backgrounds, who don't understand their family history. They don't understand their ancestral history. You know, as Latinos, we all come from defeated lands. You know, Puerto Ricans, United States came in. We we're basically the 51st state. We were defeated. We had every every opportunity a citizen could have as a Puerto Rican, except you weren't able to vote. Every country in Latin America has been, you know, taken over by another country. So we have this defeatist kind of attitude that's kind of in our DNA. And it's time to change that. It's time to take that to 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 our take ourselves and take our own successes into our own hands, and really, it's nothing wrong with it. You know, African Americans are doing it every day. Puff says it. Puff's a voice for his people. Puff gets on there. The coronavirus, the epidemic, is hitting all these African Americans. Well, yeah, it is. You know, and that's a that's a damn shame. Man. Thank God for Puff and his voice, but it's also hitting Latinos at the same rate. Mm-hmm. The issue is you don't get the numbers because a lot of us are undocumented. A lot of us don't have access to hospitalization and, and, and health care. A lot of us won't go
2: to the hospital because we don't know, because we're fearful of what's so out they there. Might been, yeah, they maybe you know they might not have the right paperwork either. They yeah, may get deported, undocumented,
3: <laughs> undocumented. And and then we also suffer from the same underlying symptoms as African American community because we're right next to them. We have diabetes in our you know mm-hmm. families. We have you know asthma. We have those issues. So yes, but you're not seeing those numbers because we're not being counted. But remember you're not picking us, but we're picking that, we're picking that fruit. We're, we're picking that vegetables. We're cleaning the ones houses, cleaning, cleaning houses. We're the ones, a know,
1: lot of the essential workers right now. Essential I'm workers. like, they've been doing this yes. for, for years.
2: But so if you're hearing us, please stay home, stay yeah. safe. And, um, I think we're, I think, you know, I think this is a, a, a special moment. I mean, I, you know, I just think that right now it's, it's more about family.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I think also introspection yes. and um, retrospection too, right? Yes, yes. It's basically just about seeing where you came from and where you might want to be going, and the people that actually matter. I know, you know, this past month was not very easy for me personally, and I you could really see the people that are there for you, the people that really support you, the people that truly that showed their colors to you do you know what I mean and I think that's important relationships anyways to me relationships relationships are everything everything. relationships
2: is everything and just you know you want genuine relationships you know what I'm saying obviously Mm -hmm. there's there's business acquaintances and all that stuff but that's just business but real relationships you have to keep those and and always be real with those and and
3: not all not every relationship is going to be going no No. but there's also there's also opportunity to fix them you know there were times there were certain people in the industry I couldn't be in the same room with them and now we're sharing laughs and jokes on Instagram all the time and we're talking, and and you know that's it's the beauty of life. It's yeah. see something, make something of it. You see, believe, and achieve. You know the secret is not a secret.
1: So can I ask you just what is your day to day like? Like, um, what, I'm retired.
3: You retired <laughs> <still>. now? <laughs> like, well, I got I, I, I got forced into retirement. But <laughs> you know, my, my my daily life is very simple. Mm-hmm. You know, I wake up, I thank God for another day, and I work on myself. Um, I work on my relationships and keeping in touch with people. Um, Spent a lot of time, you know, researching things on social media, writing scripts, writing um, memoirs, um, still doing the branding and the marketing for, you know, consultation for certain brands. Um, spending time with my kids, learning them because, you know, we've all been home for a long time. And so <laughs> oh, you, you got it. Whoa, I didn't know she was like that. You know, it's like, you know, it's like maybe maybe that teacher was right. Maybe she is a badass. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I didn't want to listen. But you know and, and really just embracing who I've become you know because we didn't get into everything but a good friend of mine said something to me he says James no, we need about 10 hours yeah, we're, we're. <laughs> we could do a 2 part 2 <laughs> part 2, 3 and 4 um, but a good friend of mine said one thing to me he says damn James look at your career your trajectory was just straight up and then it just stopped it was over well, no, it's, it's, it's a bad. pause. No, it's a pause right now. No, no, that, no I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the music business specifically. Right. But it was over. It was, we did it all. It's like, you know, I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we did it. Like, we did the 20th anniversary with Puff. You know, we, we we created all these things, and it just stopped. And just like this pandemic, everything just stopped. Sometimes you need that. Yep. Cause you're not going to reset it on your own. Yeah, it's a so big reset. God was like, all right,
2: we're going to shut this down for a minute.
3: We're going to, God said to me, we're going, I told you to sit your ass down the first time you hurt your knee. I told you to sit your ass down the second time you hurt your knee. You didn't listen. And I told you a bunch of times to sit your ass down through all this, but I let let you keep going. You can't go no more. You need to stop. No. You need to focus. You need to redirect your energies, readjust your approach, readjust your life, readjust your thinking because and the whole world is Your identity. Yeah. You got to recreate of yourself. yourself. Of yourself. You yeah, check because, yourself.
1: Well, that's the thing. A lot of times people, right now, I think, you know, a lot of times use work when they go into this physical corporate building. It's like this escape. It's this mm-hmm. thing. It's this four walls and that becomes their identity Mm -hmm. and now they're home they're like wait a minute i'm actually have to deal with my wife and my children and be home in the space that i created and they lose that and for some people that that's all they have
3: you know alexis my oldest daughter she's 20 said to me she says, i know james cruz i know everything about james cruz i know every artist he's worked with i know his favorite movies his favorite foods i know what he likes what he doesn't like i don't know daddy like that you know because i was never really daddy I was never really home. Like yeah. that trajectory traveling around the world. Like it all sounds great until you sit down and reflect. Yes, it was you great. To see your children. It was. Already and, raised. and then the kids are like, well, "You turn around and, yo, yeah. she's graduating college." Why who? My daughter's graduating college. You know, and 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 it's a blessing cuz she's an amazing amazing young lady. And but I have to look back and like, you know, I wrote a letter to Chris on his birthday yesterday. And I said, "Those late nights, those fights, those arguments, it were all worth it because we were able to give our kids what we didn't have. You know, I grew up in 17th Florida Project. I didn't have a house with a backyard. I'm not I'm not quarantining like that regular person. Right. You know what I'm saying? I could go outside, jump in a pool. I could, you know, go to a room and not see somebody for, you Because know, we worked hard for it. We, we worked did. very hard. And we deserve it. And they deserved it. But I used to be like, maybe they weren't appreciative of it. And I always say, I came up like this. I did that. You know what? No, that's fine. That's why I was me. It's a different generation. And yeah. they deserve it. They didn't get anything in this world that they didn't deserve for good grades, for good behavior, for being, you know, who they are. So with that being said, it's like, as everybody's thinking about relationships and introspecting, yes. and you don't have to write a book right now. You don't have to come up with the next Uber idea or next, no. you don't, you don't have to. Sometimes you can just sit still because yeah. there's more movement and stillness. Sometimes there's more echoing and loudness and silence sometimes so use this time to benefit you you don't have to look at every meme you don't have to be worried about
2: what this one's doing what that one's doing forget all that you and be positive think positive and just talking about your daughter my daughter is waiting for me <laughs> and you know what i want to just sound off thank you james for being here and sharing your, your 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 some of your story obviously we can go on for 10 hours i hope everybody enjoyed the show today uh but we do want to big uh do a big shout out to all the mothers out there happy, happy day. mother's day uh to all of you and be safe i hope uh everyone is enjoying their mother's day love you love bye